0: Welcome to Finding Your Epic. This is a show where senior level women share their epic moments, telling the story behind those light bulb experiences where they learned a powerful skill that shaped their career progression. Hosted by me, Jacqueline Frost, founder of Elevate Talent. Today, we are talking with Sam Cooper Gray, Sam is Global Head of Market Strategy at HSBC Business Banking. I met Sam five years ago when she invited me to an event that she was hosting at HSBC. When I arrived, she came and met me at reception. And as we went to the conference room, it became apparent that a lot was not going to plan. Her colleague was stuck on the underground. The speaker was running late. The programs had not arrived. And more. Sam, though, was just so serene. I remember asking if I could help, and at that very moment, the programmes were rushed in, so I put them out on the tables. And as I was doing this, I remember thinking, "This is someone you want in a crisis." She was completely unflusterable. So, welcome, Sam. Thank you. I'm not sure anyone's called me serene before, but I'll take it. <laughs> Well, by the look of you, and didn't know you very well at that point either. I just thought there was just the, for you was like, yes, we will sort this. It's all fine. I've got this, and it just all got done. And I remember even now thinking back that uh, the event was to start late, and I think it was two minutes late that it finally started. So it was a, it was an incredible accomplishment. So yes, definitely somebody you want in a crisis. Now, over the years, you have invited me to a number of events. And the range of people you know and work with, both internally at HSBC and externally from other companies, it is absolutely impressive. So how have you built up this incredible network?
1: Exactly. Thanks. It's a great question. And thank you for inviting me today. I'm super excited to be talking today. So there are two key things for me that are really important when it comes to my network. The first is connecting with passion. I love to network with people that I have a common passion with, I get on with, but I can also learn something from. So if they've got a passion that's not my passion, I still love to listen and learn. So that's definitely one of them. And that when you have passion, I think it connects you with people really well. It creates a connection. The second one is a more mercenary area of my networking, I would say, which is looking at how you can add value to people that you may want something out of in the future, whether that's sponsorship or mentorship, or whether or not it's someone in the wider team or in another team, being able to add value to their to that relationship they have with you is a really powerful way of maintaining a network and a relationship.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting because we describe describe exposure and visibility is who you know and how you can help them, which is exactly what you're saying here. Who do I know and how can I add value? And was there an early experience that that taught you this?
1: Yeah, I, I've I've had a couple, but I think the the bigger opinion one for me is when I was a junior manager, I was given a mentor who was a really senior woman within our business, a phenomenal woman. And we got on very well. She was a great, she was a great mentor for me. But Each time we met, and I remember the first time we had a proper conversation, she was looking at, she ironically um, ran the Global Business Banking, which I now work in. She She doesn't work there anymore. And she was looking at how different people at different levels within the organization would write credit reports. So her perception was credit reports written in business banking weren't as good as the credit reports by written by someone in corporate. And I just logged it away. We were just having a conversation because at the time I worked in our risk area, and I used to be in a risk approver. I went back to the day job and was just looking at it, and I used to see a real array of um, different assessments. And I just thought, I wonder if there's something I can do that helps inform the conversation I've just had with her. So I did a little bit of side work. Really didn't didn't think much of it. I just. Looked at some different applications as they came through and just kind of tracked which bit of the business they came from and the quality and, and the issues with the quality. So, was it a quality issue? Was it a knowledge? Was it too short, too long? And I just pinged it over to her a couple of weeks later and just said, You mentioned this when we were talking. I thought you might find it useful.
0: That's very, very interesting. So, how much time did this take you, though, to do this little bit of research and work for her?
1: Oh, probably an hour hour and a half it wasn't long at all it was literally just a question of when i was doing an application or asking someone else who'd done one for their view so five minutes snippets and then maybe 10 minutes to ping her an email and what was her response oh she was it was amazing she was like oh my god thank you so much This makes such a difference this you know it's different from what i was thinking and it drove her to then have different conversations and she actually even came back to me i think maybe three or four months later and just said just had a great conversation with credit." would not have had that conversation if you had pinged that info to me.
0: There's so many aspects of this, of this story that I love. I think the main one, though, is the fact that you were junior and she was senior. And this is one bit of feedback we hear quite a lot. It's like, well, how can I, as a junior person, add value to a senior person? And I think too often we discount our own knowledge. I think, well, everybody knows that. So- if I know that, then everybody knows that. I think that's uh, I think that's one of the main reasons why people don't speak up in meetings and don't say things. They think, well, it's obvious. If I think it's that, it's obvious. So what what are your thoughts to that impact that the impact that has on the day to day in meetings, for example?
1: I, I think it's a really important one. And I think and I'll answer the question in, in two pieces, one in meetings and one outside of meetings. I'll start with the outside first. I think the other thing as well is sometimes it's you've read a, you've read a newspaper article that your am showing my age now. You've read something on social media. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you read it sort of online, Sam. Online, didn't you? Online, online. <laughs> cut it out in a clipping and send it to them anymore in turtle post. But, you know, outside of meetings, there's stuff that you come across or conversations you have. And it's about listening and being aware. As opposed to going, oh, I need to, I need to impress this person, so I'm going to do something. It's more, I had a really interesting conversation with them. Or I was, and this is where the meeting piece comes in. I was in a meeting, we were debating something, and I found that piece of information. Because the reality is in meetings, back to the beginning of your question, sometimes it is quite hard to speak up. And sometimes it is quite hard. And and so that that connection and the adding value doesn't has to happen immediately. It's great if you know a piece of information in the meeting, absolutely speak up. And as women, we're not good at it. Well, we're not as good at it as men. We know that female voices don't get listened to as much in meetings. And so it is harder to speak up. But I would say, if you think you've got something that adds value, speak up. Because worst case scenario, everybody knows it already. You've lost nothing. But a lot of the time I found, especially as a junior member, I don't have a problem speaking up now, but that's just practice. As a junior member, sometimes I would do it after the meeting. So I would just send it to the person running the meeting and say, I thought of this just as I was leaving, thought you might find it interesting.
0: Yes, and that's a great tip because the other thing that plays in meetings is our learning styles. It's quite well known that the activist learning style, which is my learning style, you know, we are quicker to speak up our thought process happens quite quickly. And what we are, as the, the title says, we, we're we active on it. Whereas equal percentage of people are reflective and like to think about it. And neither is better. I, I've said this to so many people, neither is better. In fact, in many ways, I sometimes think the reflector style is slightly better because once you've said something in a meeting, you can't take it back. Yeah, But you can always say afterwards, like you just said, after meeting, you can say, just thought about this afterwards, goes in an email. And so yes, you're adding value. And the other thing that you said that definitely resonated with me, remember in my time in banking, I would say to the team, when we're meeting with clients, your job is to listen out for that gem, that one little bit of information that tells that much bigger story. And that allows us to deepen the relationship with the client, show them something that will help them. Give them some information, add value back to exactly what you're saying. Show how we can help, show how we can add value. Cause that's how, you know, you, you build relationships and, and build in your case, an amazing network. Now, this lady you mentioned before where you emailed her. So how did that, did you maintain a relationship with her? Did you keep in touch?
1: Yeah. We had a formal mentor, mentee kind of relationship for about a year, but I'm still in touch with her now. And. And how long ago was this you're talking about? Oh, fifteen years ago? Wow. Yeah, it's about fifteen. Oh yeah, fifteen years ago. And I'm still in touch with her now. I will still use her as a mentor. She's no longer in the organization, but I still talk to her. We still connect. She lives in a different country now. So if I'm there or she's here, we'll connect and catch up. And and also one of the other things as well is, you know, I reached out to her about four or five years later. Because I saw a job advertised in the country that she was based in, and I wanted her advice, which was amazing. And in fact, her advice was don't take it, but that's okay, right? I know I didn't know anyone in the market. I wanted to work in a different place in the world, and I was like, who do I know there? <laughs> and because, and, I, and this is, goes back to kind of like, why would you do those? Why would you add the extra value to those people rather, than, other than just in the moment recognition? And it sounds slightly cynical, but it, it makes people slightly beholden to you. So she was always going to come back and say, of course I'll help you because I'd helped her.
0: Yeah, I think it triggers the desire to want to help. Yeah. I think in that it's, it's very easy to help people who in the past have helped you and you do want to, you do want to give back. I think it's human nature and I think, we, I think I've mentioned this on one of the other podcasts actually, it goes down to Cialdini's influence and persuasion. It's in the reciprocity theory where you help somebody, you give something to somebody and they, the desire to give back is stronger. It doesn't guarantee it. Of course, the person might not be able to give back when you've asked. But I also like the fact that you called her because she then helped you strategize on this move. So she's played different roles Uh, in different ways, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also know that
1: she, and not just her, but other leaders that I've had, who I've done something similar with, have also acted as sponsors for me. So they speak So I think one of the benefits of doing something that adds value to someone else, and this point I'm going to make is not about whether or not they're your boss or senior, because actually it's as relevant, irrelevant of seniority, is actually when someone else asks their opinion of you, and we all know what other people say about you in business is important, probably more so than it should be, those people are going to have had a positive experience of you. So they're more likely to say, yeah, I think she could do that project or yeah, I really enjoyed working with her. Oh, she sent me something. It was really interesting. And I think that as well is an added benefit of having that attitude towards networking.
0: Well, you've, you've given them a positive experience of working with you. And if people have had a positive experience, they will comment on it. In the same way, if you go to a restaurant and have a positive experience, you're going to comment on it. And again, that goes back to another one of Cialdini's principles, it's social proof. And it works. And so, I mean, his book's very much based on marketing but the underlying foundation is very, very strong. It's about, it's about human behavior and how humans interact. And certainly, according to, according to him, you know, this, these are the seven principles he talks about are, are pretty much universal. So we, we talk, I think we talk too much about our differences around the world and not enough on our similarities. I think we have way more in common with each other. And you could even go back as far as, I mean, gosh, I'm really delving into the backs of my brain doing Shakespeare at school, pointing that out about, you know, you know, we are the same if you prick us, do we not bleed kind of thing. We have so much more in common than we do differences. So, so you said she was a mentor to you, she was a sponsor to you. She also helped you strategize a really important part of your career. And I think that is just amazing. That's come from that starting point of just having the conversation, hearing that gem that she mentioned, thinking, I think I can help here and then seeing it through. So for us, we always talk about that, the building relationship formula is the the know me. So what do i know about this person and and what can i do to help and then like me and like me is not about saying whether i like the person or find them likable it's more what you said it's about what you have in common those common interests the common passion that you share one party has to go first so one party has to start this and start the relationship and you know she had an issue and you had useful knowledge to share and spent some time on doing this Just thinking though, Sam, in your view, what stops people, stops anybody, but in particular our audience who are women, from spending the time to reach out to others and building a network?
1: Yeah, I think there's probably two main elements to what stops people. One is fear. The fear of, especially if it's a more senior person, of interrupting their day or them getting annoyed by you, contacting them. And I think the other one is, kind of judgment of too much networking you know to spending time networking and on the first one the fear of people not wanting to help I, I give this piece of advice when I speak in front of predominantly female audiences from a career perspective and I started to regret giving this advice as I've got older because now it's come back to bite me Ooh, we're <laughs> in a good way not but in a good way and what I always say is senior leaders all have egos and they love giving advice so if you go to them and ask for advice or you go to them and you give them something and off the back of that you are, you know, and you say to them, look, I thought you might find this useful. Let me know. You know, I'd love your advice on whether or not this is useful to you. Ninth, I have never, ever had a senior and executive leader either inside the organization or outside in any walk of life. Ignore me when I've asked them for advice. And the reason I say it came back to bite me is because I now do this quite, I say this a lot when I speak to women and then they all message to me and say, Sam, I'd love your advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be I do think it's a really important. So I think I think to get rid of the fear. what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is they ignore you. That's it. That's the worst that can happen. I think on the kind of judgment of too much networking, I think that's a really important one. There is a perception in some people of well-networked people or super connectors that they spend all their time networking and don 't do anything else. I have, remember going into a job as a slightly as a, as a director slightly more senior manager and I, I I'd got that job because of my networking, and my new boss hadn 't recruited me. I went into the job, and in my first meeting with him, he said. Yeah, you're very well networked. And I was like, thank you. He was like, it wasn't a compliment. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, oh, that's a bit bold of him, wasn't it? <laughs> I know. it was very direct and we get on very well now, but he was very direct. And he said, I don't, you know, I think people who are well connected and super connectors, you know, you spend all your time networking, you never do any work. I was like, okay. And I was like, that's not who I am. I use my network for good. <laughs> And about a week later, we sat down again and he said to me, I'm going to revise my comment. And I said, okay. He said, you've got more done using your network in the first week than your predecessor managed in six months. And I was like, okay, right. So we're good. So I think that's the other theories is being perceived of networking. As long as your networking enables you, then don't worry about it.
0: But also, it's not about self-interest. No. Because... Your network meant that you had, you were in this new role. There would be challenges that you hadn't experienced before and tasks that you hadn't done before. And so it takes quite a lot of time to work all these things out by ourselves. And I've said this before no woman is an island. So if you then can reach out to your network and somebody can very quickly say, oh, yes, ask so and so, or this is how you do it, then suddenly all those jobs mounting up are done so quickly. So it wasn't, it's not about self interest it's about progress, moving things forward, collaboration, being able to go to reach out to people who can then help you get your job done better and move things forward and progress. I do think though, your comment from your boss, and I think it's fantastic he revised it. I think that was incredibly humble of him to turn around and say, yeah, mea culpa, I got that wrong. And actually, it's a very positive thing. I think there's always that issue that the kind of, I always believe that a lot of these traits we talk about like connecting, super connecting, it's kind of an 80-20 rule like a lot of things fall into. So 80% of people do it, they do it well and they do it for the right reasons. And then, you know, up to 20% of people who do it, do it because it's driving their own self-interest and agenda. And it's fascinating, isn't it, that even though the majority are doing it correctly, our brains focus on the negative side of it and the negative experience. We hold on to negative experiences a lot longer than we do positive experiences, don't we?
1: You only have to get stung once, right? And I think he'd had that experience. He was a great boss, actually. He was one of the best bosses I had in the bank once once we worked out our cadence of how we worked together.
0: Yes, I like that point as well. You you only have to get stung once because then you will try to avoid it as, as much as you can.
1: Yeah, it's like if you go to a restaurant and get a bad meal, we don't go back, do you? No,
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll give them another go. It's like, no, I'm not going there again. Exactly. Or, or even the food's great, a bad experience. Mm. Again, that goes back to the people thing, doesn't it? If you've gone somewhere and, you know, the staff have always – I mean, I've had it recently where a restaurant we've been to quite a few times and we went and it wasn't a great experience, but we knew them and they're a nice bunch. And at the end of it, they're like, we're terribly sorry, you know, Please, hopefully you'll come back these this is the problems we've had, no excuses, discount the bill, couldn't have done enough, so they kept hold of that know me, like me, and then trust me because I actually think that most relationships can only be tested when something actually goes wrong. Now they could have gone, yeah, okay, well, you know, normally, it's great, so what's your problem, but they didn't they're like, we hope you still come back, we know that you've been before, you know, what can we do to make sure please please do tries again and hear complimentary whatever we had and it keeps those da- that dynamic of of know me, like me, trust me. What is your experience? You're talking about people over the years and you've known internally and externally. What would be your experiences of of how you you correct any of those missteps that, that you've had, maybe yourself or maybe a colleague that you've seen?
1: I'm a great believer in honesty is the most simple and straightforward way. If you do something and it doesn't go right, then go and talk to someone, go and tell them. I always say to my team, forewarned is forearmed and it's how I behave with my, with my senior leadership if I know there is an issue and something's happened and they need my help then I can help them whether it was their fault or not if I don't know about it I can't help and, and that's kind of the attitude I take with you know, my leadership which is if I do something oh, that didn't, oh maybe I've not got done maybe that hasn't landed right or that didn't go well then I will, I'll go and say to my boss nah, that wasn't great <laughs> Just a heads up.
0: <laughs> uh, no, uh, that's, yeah, you're absolutely right. Forewarned is, is forearmed. I think so often, I mean, we're human beings, we're going to make mistakes. And again, I think it plays nice into the trust aspect of it. If you know if somebody makes a mistake, they'll come tell you. Then when you don't hear anything, you know you've got nothing to worry about. But if you are not sure if people are telling you or not, then... There's a lot more to worry about, isn't there? You think, well, are they telling me? Aren't they telling me? Do I really know what's going on? Am I really being kept in the loop? So actually, you know, the more senior you become, the more you have to hope for the honesty No,
1: Oh, completely. I, and a
0: really good example of that is
1: when I, um, a long time ago, I was in my first kind of middle management role and I was preparing a presentation for my boss's boss and for my boss to present. So I was just doing the work of the presentation. We went into the room and I was supposed to be just sat there. My boss was late. So my boss's boss, she went right, come on then, let's do it. And I was like, okay. And all I will say is it did not go well. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, no. I had a great opportunity as well to show But because he was a leader, he quite liked silence, and I was nervous. So what I did was talk without breathing. <laughs> and it was awful. And he finished the meeting quite quickly. Left my boss, and I was like, I went to my boss, and went, Yeah, that didn't go well. He was like, What happened? And he said, well, I did this, this, and this, and this. And I hadn't clocked, so it was because I was talking too much. And like, this is this, this, and this. And he was like, Did you take a breath? And I was like, No. And he just put his head in his hands. And he's like, Right, we're going to redo it. He said, This boss likes silence. Say, so we're going to say, shut up. I was like, Okay, good guidance. And so the next time we did a meeting with it, and he then recovered that topic and the next time he put and he actually actively put me in front of him again and the next time I was much better
0: <laughs> yeah uh yes you had you've been given a very important tip though which I guess had you known beforehand had you been put the situation first of all, well, were you prepared yeah but you were you were put in a situation where you just had to get on get on with it and do it and I thought I guess- was serene that day <laughs> lack of serenity at that moment. Well, out of 50-50, didn't it? It could have gone really, really well or or it didn't go so well, which is, I always think though, I always think there's such great learning experiences though, because back to your point, it was you've been stung, you don't let it happen again, do you? So, you've had that situation and therefore preparation going into certain meetings, you think, well, I should prepare and make sure that I know enough about these people before I go in. So I am going to do it, you know, do it to the best of the, my ability with the knowledge I have, no?
1: Absolutely. But I think also, it also taught me to, I was so concerned with getting across what I needed to get across. And what it taught me was to pay attention to the other people in the room. So read to the room. about Read the room. Mm-hmm. And I breathe, take a breath. Breathe. <laughs> breathe. <laughs> and also... But actually, it will be all right even if it goes wrong. And I think that was a really in, important learn for me as well. It wasn't career ending. You know, I'm sure they had a laugh about it. And he was probably annoyed in the short term. But I, kn- I know him now and he just laughs at me about it now. So, you know, it's not career ending. And actually now, and maybe this is back to your example of how we met, you can kind of chuck most things at me now and I will cope.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because actually things going wrong teaches you that. Yeah. So if nothing ever goes wrong in your life, then when something does happen, it will it will floor you. Once you're like, it's water off a duck's back now, you think, oh, I've had a way worse than this. Way worse than this. Oh, this has been absolutely fantastic, Sam. Thank you so much. As you know, at the end of our Elevate sessions, the virtual program that we run, we always have a final thought at the end, which is an inspirational quote. And so I know you have brought a great one for us today.
1: This, what this quote I've, I've thought of, I thought was really appropriate to the conversation we're having around kind of adding value and doing and getting stuff done. And, and it's quote from Margaret Mead. And it is never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has.
0: Well, on that note, thank you, Sam. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast on the topic of epic value. Now go find your epic. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to learn more about any of the tools and strategies discussed, please do reach out to us on LinkedIn or contact us via the website on team at elevatetalent.co.uk. Now go find your epic.